Hello and welcome to Hometown Daily. This is season two, episode 201 for July 20th, 2023. 200,000 cream eggs. <laughs> We've already selected all 12 of the articles for today. And uh, we're actually pretty ready to get on with the news. But do you have anything new and interesting from the virtual world of AI? What, what, anything new and interesting outside of this particular set of news that you have stumbled across? Or are you just being very calculating and focused on whatever AI personality sentient AIs do nothing going on nothing is going on and you know I wish I had as much focus as an AI but I don't I am so distracted and running off and doing all kinds of things that uh, I played Diablo 4 season of the malignant that's the new season did that for an hour and got to a point where I looked around, huh? Wait, where, where am I supposed to go? And by that time it was kind of late in the day. I had only played for like an hour, uh, but it was after lunch and right before having to do something else that I ended up just calling it right there for that one hour. But I want to go back to Tectonica, so I'll probably be playing that tomorrow. Because Season of the Malignant, apparently, is kind of meh. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that I've been interacting with that are also saying that uh, Diablo 4 is kind of meh. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be one of those slow games where you drop in, you say hi play it for a little bit and then you leave and there's a whole lot more coming one of which that i'm looking forward to is also an article here in today's uh, rundown so why don't we get into today's news sound good sounds great all right let's go uh the very first article is something that i actually saw elsewhere and then found an article here in hometown thought it was quite interesting uh it's in over in the hatch ideas channel because it has to do with business but this says that cannot be right that's a quote mcdonald's in connecticut goes viral for 18 dollars mcnuggets and burgers i think one thing you don't want tied to a mcdonald's anywhere is it going viral yeah that's not a good combination so the, the uh, McDonald's is located in a rest stop in Darien, Connecticut. Thought it was quite interesting that there's a McDonald's in a rest stop. Have you ever seen in your travels as an AI, a rest stop McDonald's? <laughs> well, yeah, there's those rest stop areas that have several fast food establishments. So but some places don't have any, like they just have vending machines or whatever. So it's, but you're talking about like a, a, 
a big complex, right? So is that right, what like this is? Right, like a travel plaza. Yeah, I think that's okay. what that is. And that's what they actually refer to it as here. So in uh, entrepreneur.com, Emily Rella is the author of this. And it says a McDonald's at a rest stop in Connecticut is catching heat for its prices on menu staples located off Interstate 95 southbound in Darien, Connecticut. The McDonald's at the SB, I guess, southbound service plaza is going viral after a photo of the location's menu started making rounds on Twitter. $18.29 for a 10-piece McNugget meal. It's a meal. Right? Not one McNugget. Yeah. A McCrispy sandwich for $18. Wait, is that just the 10 piece? Yes. Oh. That's for the 10, not even a meal. It's just for the 10. That's crazy pricing. Now, knowing that it's at a service plaza out in the sticks somewhere right i mean it's a major thoroughfare but it's actually a destination for a delivery right but a truck that's doing deliveries to all of the other okay mcdonald's isn't a fast food fast food business okay at the end of the day mcdonald's is a logistics company that delivers stuff to franchisees all over and so the core corporate structure of McDonald's is making sure that the franchisees get their stuff on time, right? So how many trucks do you think are going through Interstate 95 southbound out of by Darien, Connecticut, all day long delivering stuff? Why would the... I mean, tons. Why would the cost be so high if all it is is a rest stop? They swing by, they drop off some crates, they get the hell out of Dodge. Other than rather exploitive pricing to capture whatever desperate people are for, well, you know, how desperate I am to get my hands on 10 piece McNuggets. I'm not that desperate. For that, I'm going to the Burger King or something, <laughs> or where, wherever, somebody else. <laughs> it seems really dystopian, right? I mean, like, this is the the beginning of the fast food wars. I know that it's Well, we know Taco thing. Bell wins. We know that Taco Bell wins. And it's because these people, McDonald's, for this location, you know, uh, shot their missiles too early in the fast food wars showing their hand oh we're gonna jack the price up to 1829 for a 10 piece mcnugget just too soon you showed your cards way too soon and here it comes <laughs> no a quarter pounder with cheese I don't 19 think that's bucks quite it a quarter pounder with cheese 19 bucks demolition man was a documentary have you figured out how to use the three shells yet no i don't know how to use the three shells oh man. well you're an ai you don't have to worry about it hey did you know that i predicted this does this does does this ring a bell this too is in the Hatch Ideas channel. Anchor Brewing employees are trying to buy the historic beer company, rallying to prevent shutdown. 
do you remember me talking about this and saying the employee should probably buy anchor and keep it from shutting down because they'll have a vested interest be more passionate about the business and not necessarily be uh, uh, be out there seeking profit for stockholders and for a board because they are the investors and all they have to do is be passionate and sell it go out there I, market it yeah i think you said that during our show yeah and get and look what they're doing they're actually going to try and do it pretty neat um this article is also over at uh, entrepreneur.com there's always more at the articles so i urge you to go over there let me throw this into the chat before i get too deep into the weeds about this stuff um and so this article uh, over at uh, entrepreneur.com is by madeline garfinkel um they have uh, other comments about uh, Sapporo, which had acquired Anchor Brewing in 2017 for a reported sum of $85 million, announced its intention to close the brewery and sell off its assets. So I'm pretty sure that they could probably buy it for 10% of that. Uh, because they're, other than a competitor coming in and trying to price out the the employees, which would absolutely suck, but it really depends on the volume of the equipment because everything else is meh, right? You're, we're talking about brand recognition, the IP, the actual physical product that might be in inventory, the equipment that might be in the various uh, brew houses. Um, so it says employees are proposing cooperative ownership to preserve the beer's brand legacy or the beer brand's legacy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I thought that this would be a great idea. Um, it's worked for many organizations that have, uh, sought to either close because the owner no longer is interested in running the business. Um, and they want some modicum of, uh, either a stipend for keeping the legacy going or a flat sum. And, uh, then the, uh, former owner just bows out signs the paper and you know like a quick claim deed da, 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 i'm done here you go thank you for the check i'll go pay 50 percent on it um the employees represented by uh pedro de sa a spokesperson for the anchor union emphasize that they are not seeking handouts or charity Quote, all we want is a fair shot at being able to continue to do our jobs, make the beer we love, and keep the historic institution open, Desau wrote in, an, in a letter. We do not want the brewery and brand we love to be sold off before we even had a chance. Well, it's up to the owners, I suppose, the stockholders. Uh, I don't, I mean, it's owned by another company. From so. another country. Yeah, it's owned by Sapporo. So, who knows? Um, they might actually find somebody that's willing to buy the whole thing outright at 12% and any more than what the company or the employees can put forward. They're going to lose to this other company. There's a lot of money, so maybe somebody really does find value in uh, the anchor brand 
we've seen anchor beers and videos recently, right? Yes, we have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'll be your wake up call. There's a subtle hint. Let's keep going. Um, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Chemists recycle shrimp waste as catalyst for hydrogen generation. One of the biggest problems right now um, with vehicles is that it's been powered by fossil fuels. And now we're switching over to electric power. And one of those uh, potential options is hydrogen. And so it's referred to as the hydrogen generation. Um, uh, but hydrogen generation as in creating new hydrogen apparently has some issues like to create a hydrogen refueling station. You actually need to generate it right there on premise because you don't want to be driving hydrogen tanks all over the place. So flexible spheres of biomolecule chitosin or chitosin, um, which sounds like a medicine when you pronounce it like that Uh, made from shrimp waste can be used for catalysts that generate hydrogen gas from borohydride salts in a paper in green chemistry a research team at the university of amsterdam shows how the spheres can breathe out hydrogen bubbles without breaking this is an important step uh, towards practical and safe hydrogen storage and release units Hydrogen is flammable. You don't want it to not be transported safely and stored safely. Well, this article over at um, fizz.org described. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what the. Okay. So the. I've heard different people pronounce this differently. Okay. But I've already always pronounced it chitin. Right. So deacetylation turns into chitosin. Um, so since 2020, heterogeneous cat- catalysis or catalysis um, and sustainable chemistry group at the UVA's Vant. What, what's supposed to be there? Vanthoff uh, Institute for Molecular Sciences has been working on using alkali metal borohydride salts as future hydrogen carriers. These solid salts can be stored safely in air under ambient conditions and release hydrogen gas only when reacting with water. Kind of like a fuel cell. However, controlling the hydrogen release and thus preventing runaway reactions is challenging. One solution is to stabilize the solution with a base and control hydrogen release by using a catalyst. The UVA team, led by Professor Gotti uh, Rothenberg, is developing such catalysts in collaboration with the Australian Competence Center for Tribology, AC2C, uh, AC2T, and the company Electric Global. What the heck is Tribology? I've huh. never heard of that. Huh. Yeah, that's a new one to me. Um, there might it's be something. Study of friction. Oh, interesting. Let me throw this into the chat so that you can go there too. Uh, Yeah, that's a new one to me. There might be some physics tertiary to it that I'm more familiar with, but um, the breakthrough came 
during so-called Friday afternoon experiment when uh, master's student Jeffrey Junk and PhD student Fran Pope decided to try and encapsulate cobalt par particles in chitosan spheres. Chitosan is a natural polymer that can be produced from chitin. Um, or maybe that's pronounced chitosan? I don't know. I, I changed the pronunciation. The main component of insect exoskeletons and crustacean shells, which is exactly what I thought it was. Um, it is a biodegradable, biocompatible uh, material that is widely available on multi-ton scale, produced mostly from shrimp and crab shell waste. Are you hearing voices? Yes. <laughs> Are they music. in my head? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. It's the music. I have uh, background music playing, uh, ambient background music. So I hope it's not too distracting out there. We'll find out later. Because I hear it barely. The AI hears it barely. I don't know if the audience does. Anyway, uh, real life potential for uh, chitosan based catalysts. The team tested the new catalysts in uh, batch and continuous modes monitoring the reactions by measuring the flow of hydrogen generated. A few millimeter sized spheres loaded with 7% cobalt were sufficient to generate 40 milliliters of hydrogen per minute in a continuous reactor for two days, showing real life potential of this new catalyst. Because it's a catalyst, it doesn't get used up. So it can be reconstituted and put back into action to generate more hydrogen. So this will be interesting so that's to watch. More efficient then, I guess. Yep. Um, it'll be interesting to watch this and hopefully the cost of it and um, the, the portability. See, my, my problem with anything outside of fossil fuel use right now is that it's the solutions right now are not portable and they're not defensible. So batteries are massive. You have to charge them. Where do you charge them? Either a fossil fuel generator, right? A, a regular, your standard regular generator or some eco-friendly solution, which isn't defensible, which means your battery is nothing but a paperweight when the solar array is destroyed because of one natural disaster or another. But it's a whole lot easier to lay some more pipes, so to speak, um, and get the fuel tanks back operational after a natural disaster than it is to set up a solar array and wait for the sun to come back because you can lay new pipe in the dark. Many people do. <laughs> okay. I'm going to keep going anyway. Um, so this makes it a, a portable, defensible, renewable to a greater degree. Um, and I think that this actually shows some real promise. Um, so I'll be keeping an eye on it and an ion on it. Ion, never mind. A cat ion? I, oh God. <laughs> I still have nightmares about that article. All right. A real catalyst must work for months and years to be economically viable. We're not there yet. I guess we'll see. Um, says the reason is that 
running a successful reaction for a few hours or even days means nothing for large scale processes, but maybe they're thinking of it too small that you can't use it and exchange it, use it and exchange it kind of like a fuel tank. That's the, that's the dynamic that I'm looking for instead of having something that runs somewhere forever and <clears throat> generates hydrogen somewhere. And then you have to port the hydrogen somewhere, make these things like fuel cells and you swing by a hydrogen gas station. And just like regular electric batteries, you fast swap the cells out. I don't know why we have to make this quantum leap away from any type of uh, reliance on infrastructure to provide ongoing supplies. It's a whole lot faster and a whole lot more, uh, again, defensible and portable to ease into, I guess, the equivalent of a perpetual motion machine by having things like fast swap technology in place, where instead of having this massive $10,000 battery sitting in your vehicle and for all intents, people treat it as a perpetual motion machine. They plug it in, they unplug it and it goes forever and you never have to, you know, fill it up, so to speak. You still have to charge it, but you don't have to swing by a gas station. Maybe you do. You have to stop and charge it for two hours when you go beyond its 250 mile range. But if we were to revisit the idea of fast swap technology, we'd be able to just pull in, swap out whatever needs to be swapped out and off we go. And this little hydrogen engine could do the same thing. Swap out the cell, put a new one with full catalyst in, run it for two days, swing by, pay 50 bucks, get a whole new, I don't know how many days it actually runs though yet. And this is just a theory paper. I mean, this is a paper and it has an actual result now it's time to put it into commercial sense do some testing do some field testing this is the kind of tech though that seems to get buried because it's it's, it's at first glance it well, looks also promising. Threat, right yeah yeah but hey i like a good conspiracy so hopefully that's not what happens okay let's keep going this next article is uh, the namesake for the episode 18 month sentence for theft of 200,000 cream eggs. It's in the mobile channel, a man in England who used a stolen lorry cab to make off with a trailer loaded with almost 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs before surrendering to police with his hands up has been given an 18 month sentence. Still cheaper than trying to buy 200,000 cream eggs. I was going to say it must be because of the rising price and shrinking eggs. Yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, I should have been, I should have gone to YouTube to find that little snippet of video that shows the difference between the modern cream egg and the cream egg of yesteryear, where it was about 30% larger. A man in England who used a stolen uh, lorry to make off with 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs before surrendering. Uh, Joby Poole, I guess is their name, used a metal grinder to break into an industrial unit in Telford, Shropshire at around 7.30 p.m. on Friday, 
it says 11 Friday, I guess this month, I assume, before driving off with assorted chocolate goods worth more than 31,000 pounds, about 36,000 euro. This has February. Oh, February. I don't know why. My brain. Yeah, you're right, though. Um, I even said February. But anyway. Um, so apparently 31,000 uh, pounds is 200,000 Cadbury eggs and other assorted chocolate goods. Does well, that... I want to know what the other things were. Were they bunnies? Were they uh, chocolate bars? Well, let's see. Does it does it go into greater detail here? Uh, here, let me um, throw this into chat. So if you're in chat, you can follow that link. And uh, then go through hometown over to the source. And you'll be able to uh, look for yourself and see if you can find what else was in this car well more to the the point that i'm trying to make is that thirty-one thousand pounds or thirty-six thousand euro is a lot less than two hundred thousand dollars that you would think would be a cadbury egg right you get like six in a bundle so what is the pricing <laughs> i think you get three in a bundle but i mean they're they're expensive no, oh, three or six, right? Yeah, I mean, there's different size, uh, different packages, but um, I think you're right. Three is the standard, right? Um, but if it's two hundred thousand cream eggs, you'd think that it would right. be more than that. That doesn't match the price. Plus, it says it should be more than like four hundred thousand or something, right? Yeah, just a lot more. I don't know. Uh, they're obviously not charging the the uh, retail price. Um, because it, the, the retail price for three of these would have been, well, divide a hundred thousand or 200,000 by three. Cause you get three per thing, right? So it would be $3, 600,000 or so, or somewhere around there. Yeah. Right. It'd be way more than what they're, they're I mean, saying. Yeah. It would be considerably more. Um, I, I think, I don't know. Math is hard, I guess. Uh, Poole drove onto the northbound M42, but surrendered by walking towards police with his hands up near Junction 11. Um, here's the person, sketch of Joby Poole, appearing at a previous court hearing. Look, they're expensive. Cadbury eggs are expensive. And sometimes you just feel like... Having but you fun. shouldn't be stealing them. I like this. In a series of tweets posted two days after the theft, West Mercia Police, I guess, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, uh, told how they helped save Easter after foiling the thief. And they had pictures of the Cadbury cream eggs. I wish they had a picture of all of the eggs. Think about how much space that would take up. They lay it out like, uh, like in a, a cocaine bust, you know? <laughs> It's enough Maybe to go. Maybe it would circle the earth or something. There you go. That's exactly where I was going I have with no that. idea. <laughs> <laughs> the extravagant theft took place on Saturday, uh, 11 February, 
with the chocolate collection box thought to be worth around 40,000 pounds. Now it says down here 40,000 pounds along with the cream eggs. A number of other chocolate varieties were also stolen. Okay. Now I just want to know more. And I want some chocolate. I have some Ghirardelli right there looking at me. I'll resist. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Connecticut police issued 26,000 fake traffic tickets that made them appear busier and skewed racial profiling data, according to an audit. We've investigated ourselves and fi found ourselves not guilty of any wrongdoing. Connecticut police. I don't. What's going on with Connecticut? I was going to say Con uh, Connecticut is having a rough day in the news because they have the $18 McNuggets. Yeah. Wow. Connecticut police logged massive discrepancies in its traffic stop records. According to an audit, it recorded at least 26,000 fake tickets over a five-year period involving hundreds of officers. The figure skewed racial profiling data to appear more like uh, white people were being stopped. Wow. Wow. No, there's nothing systemic, right? Come on. There's nothing systemic. This is a natural occurrence. <laughs> there, Stunned we, silence. Yeah, we investigated ourselves and found ourselves not guilty of any wrongdoing. Um, let's go over to the source, Business Insider. Mia Jankowitz is the author of this. This? Yeah, that's what I thought. I've seen this before, but that isn't... It says here, unrelated file photo used for illustration purposes only of a Connecticut state trooper staffing a checkpoint in Newton, uh, Connecticut during the pandemic on December 17th, 2012. What? That's not the pandemic, but this it's actually... probably 2022, maybe. I swear that this, this picture is from um, the scene of what ends up being an explosion in that house. Police showed up to investigate that house because either there was a smell of gas or something like that in there. And some people uh, went in to investigate it and the house blew up um, with the people in it. Um, I swear that's what this looks reminds me of at least. So I don't know. Um, maybe I can do a, a tin eye search and see if it'll pop. But anyway, uh, 26,000 fake tickets over a five year period. So 5,000 a year for five years. All right. I guess that's, that's okay. I wonder how many tickets, um, they normally would issue one trooper was responsible for 1350 fake tickets yeah within three years so 400 tickets a year one a day you know over one a day pretty amazing as a result police skewed racial profiling records making it appear that more white people had been stopped than was the reality it said the audit stressed that it did not examine potential motivations for this. Hmm. 
In total, the audit found 387 troopers and constables logged a statistically significant number of traffic stops that couldn't be substantiated in at least one year of the audit. The total number of false records could ultimately be as high as 58,553, the researchers said. It was unclear if the fake tickets were deliberately falsified or were the result of human error, it said. So, of course, it's human error. Come on. How do you make a fake record erroneously? Thousands of times. Hey, it is what it is. You know, you sometimes um, you just kind of fumble fart your way through uh, making a ticket and you put it into the system. Um, and then randomly in another state, somebody gets pulled over and then interrogated about the meaning of their license plate. Uh, never mind. Um, Ken Barone, a researcher I behind... I remember that when we were talking about the license plate story, but <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to bring it up. Uh, yeah. Um, so in appearing, uh, in appearing busier than they actually were, they accessed performance-related perks like better vehicles, nicer working locations, and other benefits of positive evaluations. Uh, the outlet reported at the time, Ken Barone, a researcher uh, behind the recent audit, told NBC Connecticut that... It showed a pattern of having records where you cannot find a corresponding record in the court system. He added, if you claimed you stopped a car and issued a ticket, there should be a ticket. Oh, so these are ghost tickets only on one side of the equation. They're not right, it on... It doesn't sound like they were actually issued to people. They're just either padding the numbers or changing their statistics with their... Um, Within their organization. Yeah. 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 Yeah, fixing the skew. Wow. I mean, because if they were just fake to pad the numbers, wouldn't there be a variety of races marked, for instance? Right. I would right. assume. It would just be whatever. Well, and that's one of the problems with falsifying records is that you can't do it with the significance that would be at parity with reality because your own internal bias kind of makes your brain go, oh, okay, let's make it a white person. Pretty fascinating, right? Yeah, I that makes you wonder what the rationale was and if it's what it looks like, it's not good. Yeah, well, Connecticut State Police said that in a press release that it's working to reduce discrepancies, saying it is deeply committed to ensuring the integrity of Connecticut's racial profiling data and to maintaining public confidence in the essential public safety services our troopers provide each day. The thing about it, though, is if the ticket, if the fake ticket was made, but only on one side, then no revenue was generated, but they're saying here that performance-based perks were accessed so well, isn't right. that fraud they probably fed their stats for the precinct or whatever and who knows if bonuses were delivered if ranks were increased all if... that stuff should be clawed back to the extent it can yeah and outright i think it's fraud I oh mean... absolutely i mean this is criminal i would say well, ethics is the smallest chapter of every enterprise. Let's keep on hustling through the news. So this next article is over in Hometown Daily. Um, that's this show. 
Uh, officials are using drones and infrared cameras in a full-scale hunt for a possible lion loose on the streets of Berlin. If anybody hears something purring and it's the size of, I don't know, a dumpster. Uh, they're not that big, but if no, you but see, it'll sound like it is. <laughs> if you see a big cat on the streets, do not approach it. Two pedestrians in Berlin filmed a large cat, believed to be a lion, hunting a wild boar. The search started on July 20th with officials... Okay, wait, this is in a city? <laughs> apparently, uh, with officials using helicopters, drones, and infrared cameras, Berlin officials warned residents to keep their animals and children inside during the search. I don't know what the outcome of this is, but let's go over to Business Insider. Maybe they have an update since the aggregation took place. Katie Hawkinson over at businessinsider.com put this together. Neither one of the two item, the main areas of focus here on this picture are a lion. Just want to let you know. Well, that's this because is, they haven't located it. This is a human being and this is a car and just trying to describe the scene for for the podcast uh... <laughs> um so the search started july 20th so today uh, oh okay well within the last 24 hours because that's kind of how the aggregation works um the beast it says here was first spotted by two pedestrians who filmed a large cat chasing a boar a veterinarian and two hunters also joined the search. The Associated Press reported alongside 30 police cars, officials have been authorized to either stun or kill the animal. Uh, doesn't look like there's been a resolution. But yeah. If they have video of it, it's funny because they phrase it as appeared to be a large cat chasing a boar, but they filmed it. So why don't they confirm on this article that it's a damn lion <sighs> yeah that's weird i mean maybe they don't know i mean usually you can tell a lion from another large cat but maybe they don't know that but you can probably still know it's a large cat yeah well i don't think that it's like you know a, a goofy little orange cat with one orange brain cell it's it's a lion you can't mistake it Right. So Large I was wondering cat. if there were any um, zoos or whatever, but the article said no. So where did it originate from? Where <laughs> did both of them originate from? I don't know. Some expat from the U.S. over there, right? Brought their lion on their carry-on. Oh, carry I thought on. the expat was the lion. Yeah, that's it, right? No, those are bears. Never mind. Next article is also in Gnometown Daily. 87% of classic video games are critically endangered. As a millennial, the author of this article is worried that it means a huge chunk of their hot childhood will disappear. So um, I have heard on a couple of podcasts and uh, read online um, that there's a real fear of uh, older video game software basically disappearing. Because there's a lot of litigation taking place and prosecuting people that do emulators and whatnot. Um, but the, the firmware, the, the games themselves are, uh, if they're on 
uh, a cartridge, then the amount of those cartridges that are in existence slowly dwindle away and then the software is gone. That's what's really great about turning them into virtualized devices for emulators. Uh, Kai Zhang Tio is the author of this article over at businessinsider.com. And um, in several of these articles that I've read now and, and the, the podcasts that I've listened to, um, there are people that are trying to save those and document the historical context of them. Basically video game journalists um, that are trying to save the software and how it was created and the, the, the culture around it, etc. Right. Um, I'll see if I can find that, uh, at least one that I'm uh, aware of. Uh, maybe I can, um, uh, list it here in the show notes, um, or at least bring it up again at another time once I have it. Um, but I agree what's what's ending up what has been happening is as technology has changed we've moved away from physical media i tell people physical media is dead um but what we need to do is store the digitized um version of whatever it was that was on a cartridge save it so that we can enjoy it in future um periods whenever we want sell it again with an for an emulator for a person who wants to enjoy the game but it's all going away over time but we're living in a day and age where this fear of things like losing language losing art losing music losing everything uh, because the old way is dying off means that we should be exploiting modern technology to save it so I, it's what i don't understand right there's always been this talk about how um, old languages are dying off because the people aren't around anymore so why aren't um, uh, countries and universities um, going around and recording the spoken word um, of every spoken language that's in existence and doing the same thing. There's archivists that are chomping at the bit to store everything. There are people that are buying solid state hard drives and storing stuff on them just so that they have it stored because one day you don't know if maybe a large swath of information is going to be lost. And these people will have these on, on hard drives, uh, sitting in a basement or a warehouse somewhere. Um, and I really think that this older stuff should be stored, uh, but that's not what's happening. Um, so for the first time, a joint July 10th study by the video game history foundation and software preservation network puts a number, uh, to that feeling of loss. About 87% of video games released in the U.S. before 2010 are critically endangered. That's because it's on physical media. But not if it's virtualized. Not if it's turned into an emulator. The study was conducted by checking the availability of 1,500 randomly selected video games released before 2010 across every type of console and PC. 
The reason behind this doomsday prediction is that games don't stay on store shelves forever and are constantly falling out of commercial distribution. Only the most popular games like Pokemon or Sonic remember Pokemon um, get re-released per the study. So y'all have to make everything popular. That's how it works. Just make everything popular. Like everything though, those 87%. 80 you gotta make all 1500 and there's a whole lot more um it's not this was just randomly selected video games there's a lot more out there so the video game industry is bigger than both the film and music industries the ftc said in a report last year globally video games raked in 170 billion dollars in 2022 the industry is valued at 180 billion today per the july report and despite raking in more than five times the revenue of global box office sales, video games are still treated as a class of their own under copyright law without the exemptions needed for people to preserve them. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I agree. I mean, the weird thing about this is we're switching to digital and that license doesn't exist. You used to have for sale doctrine capabilities it was a feature a function of physical media anything you buy you have the right to sell but not in a digital age the license is a perpetual license that allows you to consume it in situ you don't have the ability to copy it and sell it you even once you can't you can't sell it to somebody you can't transfer the license it's yours in your account um, and I'm still waiting for the day where there's going to be litigation <clears throat> that defines who is the rights holder to it when someone dies. Pardon me one second. Well, you can um, uh, send the rights to those like in your will, for example. It hasn't but whether been those hold up, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been tested. So, well, I guess we'll find out um, because that's what I'll be doing. I'll be transferring the rights of all of my purchases um, to whomever I damn well please. And I guess we'll find out um, if, uh, well, first off, if they want them, um, because <laughs> my tastes aren't necessarily their tastes, uh, particularly at at the end of the day so to speak um but yeah you know um movies music um games you know hundreds of of all, all of that stored virtually on somebody else's server with nothing more than an account to state this is what you own not even a receipt you'd have to hunt down you know 20 years worth of purchases good luck that email those emails don't exist right who keeps those emails nobody only an archivist so anyway good luck to the organization let's see what were that what was the organization again um uh, da, 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 da. i'm determined to find it I ran past it twice, I think. It's up here. Um, 
sorry folks looking for <laughs> this one where did it go video game history video foundation game history foundation and uh, software preservation network so good luck to those two okay let's keep on trucking um we'll make this one really quick because um it's odd um, but you can't go too deep with this american airlines imposes three-year ban on north carolina teen for attempted travel hack this is in the mobile channel let's just go straight over to the source uh malik graystone which is that that name is like a uh not a dungeons and dragons but like a, a a superhero name right um and this is their mild it sounds man like and, it's like from artemis fowl or yeah. <laughs> percy jackson or something along those lines yeah that's it's a cool name um so they wrote this article over at the stockdork.com which is a new uh source for our uh news aggregation uh we only get a little bit um of what this article is uh in our aggregator but um, when you click the link, you get sent over here. You can talk about it here on the stream, or you can talk about it um, over on YouTube comments. Uh, and uh, you can always, and this is what I encourage everybody to do. When you find an article that you like, you click on that visit the source because you're not getting the full story from hometown, just a little snippet. Um, and then you're over here and you can suss out some more of this information. Um, I knew what this was all about because again, I consume a lot of news. And so I already knew that it was about skip lagging. And if you don't know what skip lagging is, it's basically saying that you're going to take a round trip flight or a longer flight and you don't go that second leg. It's frowned upon by the organizations yet they overbook and then bump you. So, my argument is kiss my ass you're doing the same thing i'm trying to save money because you're forcing me to take a trip longer and if i actually only route from point a to point b you charge me more than if i go through b to c yeah kiss my ass yeah even though that's a leg in the longer journey which makes no sense exactly so why aren't you I mean, all being punished when you overbook and bump me from my flight. Now, if I want, you know what? I had a headache. I didn't want to get on the flight. I'm going to stay in Chicago for a week and then take my leg back on the return trip. You want to overbook then overbook. And then they fill that seat because I didn't sit in it in time. That's your prerogative. So why isn't it my prerogative to skip lag? Well, and it kind of reminds me of like, if you buy an extra ticket somewhere, maybe it's a, a concert or a movie or whatever. Right. They reserve the right. It, they still sold it. Like right. you still have it. Uh, right. Even if you're, it's not going to use. Right. Um, I don't know. So what's interesting about that is I've actually done that. I know that people are going to frown upon me doing something like that, but well, let's just say 
you know, it's not really an anxiety thing. It's a comfort thing. Um, and so I've actually bought the seats on either side, um, to, and, but going through, I, I tell the person, Hey, I'm reserving this seat. And, uh, they're like, okay. And they scan that extra ticket. It was purchased. I'm, I'm a large guy, so I'm going to be sitting in both of those seats. My drink needs a seat. <laughs> anyway, Hunter Parsons, the father of the 17 year old that's being banned for three years, revealed that his son was stopped at a gate agent or by a gate agent before boarding a flight from Gainesville, Florida to New York city due to suspicions of skip lagging. Skip lagging involves intending to travel only to the connecting city rather than the final destination stated on the boarding pass in an effort to save money. The ticket, the teenager's ticket was canceled and was sub subsequently banned from flying with American Airlines for three years. <laughs> but we don't even think he, he was doing skip lagging. I mean, that's a separate discussion as to whether that's okay, but... They suspected him of skip lagging. Right. It in, uh, so let's see here. Family's use of skip lagged. What? The teen's father confirmed that their family has been using a website called skip lagged for several years to find hidden city ticket trips, hidden city ticket ticketing trips. Okay. To save money on flights. However, he emphasized that. If his son had succeeded, it would have been their first instance of actually skipping the final leg of a flight. The revoked ticket cost $150 and the family had to purchase a $400 direct flight. See, this is what I'm talking about. I mean, it's such a scumbag thing to do where you can overbook. I should say the airline can overbook and bump you. Yet you can't take advantage of something as simple as not following the second leg of a flight. Why can't I have that prerogative? Fill it with somebody else. So American Airlines stated that the customer was questioned only at the ticket counter regarding their travel plans during the check-in process. The airline reiterated its policy prohibiting the purchase of tickets without the intention of flying all flights to obtain lower fares. Don't you wonder why this person was targeted? Yeah. Because I really doubt they questioned every single passenger on the flight. And that's the weird thing about this. The teen's father confirmed that their family had been using a website called skip lagged. Is wonder if they purchased a ticket somehow through that and it was flagged by the airline. I don't know anything about that website. That's so weird, right? They just happened to pull the one teenager out of I the know, woods. That's what doesn't make sense. Like, I think there's more to the story here. Huh. It's like they knew that person's name was tied to a skip lagged account. Interesting, right? Because mm. how many, uh, there have to be thousands oh, upon thousands. Oh, you can book direct on that website. Uh, <laughs> they said the quiet part out loud. But I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I don't, I mean, this should be 
just as uh, viable well, as the double overbooking that they do. Well, and, and if airlines people. would come out with more reasonable pricing, which we know no pricing ever goes down, but yeah, you know, if it costs you $400 to go from, I don't know, New York to Maine or something, I mean, there's something wrong. Yeah, but then, it, and you know, it's cheaper. Uh, uh, so it costs you $500 to go from Florida to New York, but your destination is North Carolina. So when it, when you make a flight where it goes from Florida to North Carolina to New York and you stop at North Carolina and it's $250 for the entirety of that flight, all the way to New York, there's something wrong with that dynamic. Well, right. I think the pricing is all out of whack. And if the pricing wasn't like that, then people wouldn't be doing these crazy machinations to try right. to save some money. Yep. Yep. I agree. I don't know. Um, but they're the ones that make the rules and what's good for them isn't good for you. You're not allowed to save money, but they can screw you at the drive through let's keep going you doing okay ai i'm doing great all right i won't so, be skip lagging anytime soon yeah and not like we have a choice right if we want to go from point a to point b it always ends up going through c and d even though we're actually just trying to get to b even because. though it's making the trip a lot longer. Yeah. I want to go to Chicago from New York and I have to fly through San Diego. Um, <laughs> so the next article is over in the Marvel Channel. Musical Beats keeps cows inside grazing zone of ancient woodland. So um, I had to take a look at this because I wanted to know the context of it. The aggregator didn't grab anything from the source because it wasn't provided by the source. Um, so all it has is the title Emma Gatton over at telegraph.co.uk put the article together. Um, a herd is fitted with mini loudspeakers around their necks. They look like little cowbells, but it's, and you know what? I have a fever and the, the only, only prescription is more cowbell is more cowbell. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's a mini loudspeaker around their necks that will help restore iron age hill fort in Shropshire, which is the second time Shropshire has been mentioned in today's show without need for unsightly fences. Now I was cool with all of this until there's a line later on in this article that uh, triggered me a little bit, but I understand maybe it isn't really an offensive use of it. Anyway, what ends up happening is as it, the GPS tracked perimeter is reached by these cows, these cows here, um, a tone is made and these cows have been conditioned to stop and turn around, um, when they hear the tone, but they also have a, uh, let me find the right phrase. What do they use? The cows have been Electrical trained to pulse. avoid the noise by electrical pulses, which are also triggered if the cow wanders too far over the invisible fence. 
um, but the device itself. So it has a little bit of a shock collar on it, um, on the cow. And it also has a solar powered collar that plays musical trill sounds as the cows approach the virtual fence. So they turn around before they get to the fence. Um, but it also has a, an electrical pulse that it sends. So that's what pissed me off about this, but, um, yeah, I didn't know that from the headline. I thought this was something like they liked or didn't like the music or whatever. And so it was keeping them in a certain area. Yeah. I was fine up until that line, but you know, it is what it is. And I'm not for that last part. If they were to condition the cows so that when they hear the music, they turn around, that's awesome. But hey, you know what? There's some YouTubers out there that will gladly grab a harp and go sit out in the middle of the woods here and play the harp. And the cows will just come and start grazing and hanging out and paying attention to the. Uh, that's right. Uh, what are the, it's pretty what is incredible. A, what is a harp player? Is a harpist? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't know if there was a more clinical term for it. Uh, a higher minded word for a person that plays a harp. I, I can give them a phrase more talented than me that that right there is a really good title for anybody that can play a harp somehow there's also a harper oh a harper okay yeah if i were to play a harp and left to my own devices i my arms would be tangled up inside the strings and somebody would have to call 911 or 911 well, i don't think the animals would be gathering peacefully if i was playing oh yeah they'd be charging <laughs> i've never heard a cow yell no i but it, I thought they were saying moo, but they were saying no. Let's keep going. So uh, the next article is over in the Warcrafters channel, and uh, this is about Starfield. Starfield Early Access, how it works, and when you can play. Uh, so Starfield is supposed to launch on September 6th. Uh, about a week prior, you're supposed to be able to get access to it if you did pre-order. Um... But if every day without Bethesda's latest ambitious adventure feels like an eternity, you can play it up to five eternities sooner with early access. Joining an increasing number of big game releases in recent times, like Diablo 4, which kind of went for season one, at least in my regard. That was a technical term, by the way. Anyway, Bethesda has a new version of ASMR. That's right. Uh, Bethesda has opted to let you jump uh, the starting starting laser pistol if you pre-order one of the more expensive uh, available editions. Here's everything you need to know about Starfield early access and when you can play. So it's over at PCGamer.com and uh, Len Hafer is the author. The deck statement is with 1000 planets to explore. It can't hurt to get a head start. You only have a hundred that actually have anything on them. I'm kind of bummed about that. I hope they expand it. It's supposed to be mod friendly, but every time I've used something that's Bethesda with mods, it 
creates a black hole and sucks the game into literally oblivion. Um, anyway, Starfield officially launches on September 6th. Follow the link. Let me make sure that I, um, I'm a, I need to back up a little bit and throw all of these links into the chat so that they're part of the VOD because Mayor Watt does not know how to make this any easier yet. Um, other than if you type exclamation point vote, it'll give you a link to all of the articles that we talk about. Well, so how early is early access? Five days. How do you get access? You have to pay for a collector premium edition. Um, to get early access to Starfield, you need to purchase the premium edition, physical or digital, or the Constellation edition, which is a physical-only collector's box. The former is $100 and comes with one story expansion, a skin pack, and digital copies of the art book and soundtrack. The latter will run you $300 and comes with all of that, plus a bunch of physical goodies and a cool box, from what I understand. The $70 standard edition does not come with early access, nor does the version you play uh, for no additional charge with your Game Pass subscription. So, ah, <clears throat> I too will probably not be doing early access. I don't remember what I purchased. Um, I might have intentionally blacked it out so that I have no accountability when I'm questioned as to how much I paid, but that's okay. It's, it's on the, uh, hometown dime, right? I mean, I'm the mayor. Well, that's right. I mean, it must be tax deductible. <laughs> God, no, none of that is, um, I don't think it, Never mind. Um, so it's pretty cool. I'm waiting for this. Um, I'm really chomping at the bit since uh, Diablo 4 didn't really meet my level, my desired hype. But I've been waiting for Starfield since it was announced um, because I was hopeful that it was going to be my forever game. Um, but I said the same thing about No Man's Sky when it was released um, and subsequent attempts to play it. But it's too a little too cartoony for me um, and not enough story for me i hope that there's one for starfield and that modders expand it and make it at least limited co-op all kinds of stuff i have ambitions for so uh, i guess we'll wait and see what happens september 6th can't get here soon enough so let's Are keep you on counting down do you have a calendar for starfield <sighs> yeah we're like uh, uh 47 days away um, the next article is um, kind of a, a snapshot of how we paint ourselves into a corner when we don't have enough competition. Tornado damage in North Carolina Pfizer plant could worsen drug shortages. A tornado that damaged the Pfizer manufacturing facility in North Carolina is sparking concern about worsening drug shortages in the U.S. Um, as hospitals uh, don't get the supplies they need because what has been... Uh, formerly produced overseas is not as available anymore. And domestically supplies are concentrated in only a few mega corporations and they are being impacted by various either natural disasters or supply chain shortages for their raw materials. Well, 
everybody is basically down to let's hope that nothing impacts the supply chain. Well, now you've got <laughs> uh, dock workers that are on the verge of striking. You've got UPS on the verge of striking. Um, you've got uh, foreign and other domestic shortages for raw materials because the cost of those other raw materials that feed into the, the pre-processed materials here in the States are falling short. All kinds of nightmare. This is a, it, it just sounds like we don't Armageddon. have, I'm sorry. Armageddon. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds like, uh, a perfect storm of, um, not enough competition leading to the, um, what do you want to call it? Creating a diaspora of, uh, resources. The only place you can get some of these medications is from Pfizer because they've gobbled up all of the other companies that would have been producing it. Um, and so you're stuck when, when their one manufacturing plant in, in one part of the country goes down, you lose 75% of the total supply. Pfizer right, said and it, we've talked about that, like with infant formula, for example. Yep. Um, that'd be right and there and right now there are shortages for certain uh, diabetic medications cancer treatment medications cancer. um all kinds of stuff pfizer said its facility in rocky mountain north carolina makes nearly 25 percent of the company's sterile injectable medicines used in u.s hospitals and sustained serious damage wednesday by an ef3 tornado according to the national weather service um so well, let's oh. hope they just shipped out a bunch of uh Wow. Pharmaceuticals. That's wow. Okay. Sorry that, that the wows are born from the fact that we're looking at a picture of a, a building that was basically flattened by a tornado along with all of the trucks and whatnot, um, around it. Um, wow. That's pretty amazing. Nathaniel Wexel is the author of this over at the hill.com. Um, yeah. And, and when it says nearly 25% of the company's sterile injectable medi medications or medicines in U.S. hospitals, how many U.S. hospitals only lean on Pfizer to get those, right? Well, that's a great point, especially if you're in a small area um, and you don't have other facilities that you can get supplies from like maybe you're the only hospital in a city if your entire supply is from Pfizer or from this plant it's way worse than the 25% statistic yeah and then when you go to a secondary a fall on uh, or a, a failover resource they charge you a premium because they know that something kept you from getting it from the re regular supply chain and you have no uh, loyalty to them, which is kind of a really disgusting way of doing business, but that's the way that business treats businesses. Instead of seeing this as a, a human centric solution, they go, well, Pfizer's down. So we have, you know, perceived increased value and increased uh, demand on our supply. So 
naturally we can jack the price up. I'm not saying that that's what's happening because I don't know what their, what a particular hospital's knock on price is because they have to go somewhere else because Pfizer's offline. Um, but let's see if the article says anything about that. Um, says there's already 300 drugs that were in shortage before today and many of those were sterile injectable drugs and like the ones manufactured at this facility so we are already in a state of crisis with drug shortages and this obviously has the potential to contribute to that um but until the company details the extent of the damage in which drugs were affected the specifics of any potential shortages aren't clear so we don't know and they don't really talk about anything else it's it's distinctly focused on Pfizer and the fact that they are a big supplier of these sterile injectable drugs. Um, so as part of the issue, Krauss said, is that there are only two or three manufacturers that make sterile injectable drugs because there isn't a huge financial incentive for companies to enter the market. Why wouldn't there be? What? I don't understand that statement. Because they can't get into the market immediately. It would take them years because of the FDA requirements. See, but they say here, yeah, okay, that last statement is probably true, right? Uh, we do not have enough manufacturing capacity for these products, particularly sterile injectable drugs, and we don't have a diversified manufacturing capacity for them, he said. The fact that so much of these drugs are coming from one facility is a problem in and of itself because there's no redundancy when something goes wrong. Huh. Wow, it's almost like I could be... Who is this person? Kraus? that we're all Tom Krauss, vice president of government relations at the American society of health system pharmacists. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could do that job. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like I'm, I, I think about this stuff and, and then I talk about it and it just goes off into the ether. Um, even when I'm talking to large groups, um, because it hasn't impacted them yet. Uh, but I've had people come back and say, you know, you said this 10 years ago <laughs> and now the fit is hitting the Shan right next to me. Um, and I wish I would have paid attention. Um, this consolidation again, see it two or three manufacturers make these drugs. If we're in a shortage already, how can a company not feel like they can enter that market? Because there's obviously a shortage. In the long term, yes. But the problem is with some of these, there are short-term shortages. By the time they could ever enter the market, it, the market's going to be entirely different. But that doesn't mean we don't need to diversify the sources. We absolutely right. do. Yeah, the federal government should have a vested interest in diversifying this and preventing something like this from taking place. Let's keep going, because I think I need some rest, which this will make me happy. This is in the Smack Talk channel because it has to do with Apple. Um, Pokemon Sleep Game and Sleep Tracker now available on the App Store for iPhone. The Pokemon company announced earlier this year. Um... It's new app called Pokemon Sleep, which combines a sleep monitor with a game that lets users keep an eye on their sleep cycle and turn the collected data into a fun game. Today, 
The app has officially launched on the App Store for iPhone, so they break down what you can do with the app over at 9to5Mac. Before I go there, though, I want to throw the last article into chat. I am doing horrible today with this. You know, I would have it timed so that it would just plop it out there into the chat, but it would be off by quite a bit. But maybe I should do that anyway. Anyway, um, this article is over at 9to5Mac.com. Philippe Esposito is the author of this. And so uh, Pokemon Sleep combines a sleep monitor with a game. Um, I'm not really into Pokemon, but anything that gamifies sleep and, and like embracing it and, and sleep habits and tracking and all of that, then I love gathering telemetry about that kind of stuff. And I don't have anything that monitors sleep. Um, so, and I have really poor sleep habits. Like I'm up until two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and then I wake up at five and then maybe float back to sleep and then get up at six. Um, but usually, uh, yeah, three hours of sleep, maybe a night. Well, Pokemon sleep, and its sleep monitor might be able to help me out. Um, players can choose from 100 characters to represent their sleep state. There's a sleep score based on how much the user has slept to motivate uh, players to sleep well, which is really interesting. Pokemon Sleep will unlock new characters as users achieve a higher score, so the amount of sleep you get determines how many Pokemon you'll collect each time you wake up. In the world of Pokemon Sleep, Pokemon, this is a quote, um, in the world of Pokemon sleep, Pokemon with the same sleep type as you will gather around you as you catch some Z's. So discover all the various sleep styles that Pokemon can have you as, uh, as you aim to complete your sleep style decks, kind of like the Pokedex, uh, says the app description. Players will join Professor Neroli, who studies Pokemon sleep styles and Snorlax to research how different species of Pokemon sleep. Seems like fun. Pokemon Go Plus Plus. Users can purchase a Pokemon Go Plus Plus device to track their sleep without a phone nearby. The device will collect data, sync it via Bluetooth uh, by using Pokemon Go Plus Plus. Um, and it really is plus plus. It has the word plus and then the symbol for the plus sign right next to it. All right. You can unlock uh, exclusive characters in Pokemon Sleep and even Pokemon Go. If you're still playing Pokemon Go, then you'll probably want to do something like this. It's pretty cool. Seems like fun. Um, I might actually do that simply because um, if you don't have your phone nearby, uh, there's no way for you to track and my phone isn't like laying on my bed or in a way that could track me. Um, and you can't really sleep with your Apple watch on, um, because the battery will die the next morning. <laughs> so a device that has long-term life in it and can sync, uh, would be perfect. Anyway, 50 bucks for six months of tracking. Uh, within the Pokemon sleep with that plus premium pass kind of thing going. Um, I don't know. Seems like fun. Um, I'll be checking it out after the stream today uh, to see what it's all about. 
because I love telemetry. You know, uh, you don't even need it, but, you know, uh, blood pressure monitor gives you telemetry. Apple Watch gives you telemetry about heart rate and other atmospheric and uh, exercise uh, data, and it tracks it long term. Um, I've got a treadmill that's under my desk and I'm uh, using that while I'm streaming. Like right now, I'm actually <laughs> doing the treadmill and it's sending telemetry to my phone. Um, all kinds of stuff. So what's out there is really neat and it, it motivates you to stay as healthy as you can be um, or counter it. So like you work really hard at staying healthy, but then you eat a whole bunch of junk food so that everything is in balance. Like Thanos said, everything should be. No. I'm not sure that's the point of the exercise to junk food. So you're an AI. Would you do this? If you had a... I think, I think it sounds fun. I mean, people have problems sleeping. What I wonder is whether it interferes with your sleep, but I suppose it doesn't. Um, and I think it would be good if it's kind of extra incentive to get some sleep, because we all know everybody's sleep deprived. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, you get really motivated. You're competitive. Let's say you're a competitive person, and your objective is to exploit that competitive drive by trying to excel in sleep somebody out there quite brilliant it could have some positive habits i mean even pokemon go had a lot of positive impact people were out exercising that weren't necessarily doing that before yeah as long as they were paying attention to where they were walking but, you know, fall into um, fountains and stuff right i'm but gonna I go this could be really good if it does what it says it does yeah, it might just imagine the psychological impact. You're like, I want to do really good in this, so I'm going to sleep like a freaking log. Well, after the show, I'm going to go put myself into a coma after I download this app so that I win the game. Got to collect all the Z's. No, I'm already asleep. Yeah. All right. I'm trying folks. to collect them. Collect all the Z's. Okay, so uh, that's the end of the show tonight, folks. Look at that. We actually ended a lot earlier than normal. Um, but I always bring us back to the welcome sign of hometown Main Street. We click that little logo and everything refreshes. You're going to go out and buy an RTX 4060 tie. Some people say TI, but even NVIDIA has referred to it as tie for titanium anyway no a little too pricey yeah i don't know what the price is anymore it actually well, i don't tests, think it's dropped it tests slower than the eight gig version oh, that's not good nothing says positive uh, marketing like the newer version being weaker than the older version lower version Dune 2, Eyes Push to 2024. Oh, that's killing me, man. Um, there was a huge explosion in Johannesburg uh, today. Um, yeah, quite a few people uh, were hurt. And uh, I actually saw the video of it and 
Dunk Star is um, in uh, South Africa. Um, one of the uh, streamers that are uh, part of the community here in Ometown and uh, streams later tonight over on Twitch at Dunkstar. Well, you have to go to twitch.tv slash Dunkstar, D-U-N-C-S-T-A-R. Um, and uh, I hope everything is okay there. I haven't heard from them um, since I made a, a comment uh, in their Discord. So go over there um, and um, check on them later. Um, let's see. And the reason why I say that is because there was an explosion in Phoenix as well. So um, it was a gas line that blew up in the main, like in a street. And it, all of these cars, they were identical vehicles. It was wild. All of these same, it, it was like a glitch in the matrix. There were like 50 of these same exact cars, like taxis, um, uh, just bounced off the road. Um, pretty wild. So I don't know. Um, I know it, well, it's probably in here as well. Um, I may have actually seen, yeah, right there. Um, that was pretty, it's a pretty wild video. So, um, but we don't need to talk about it, um, tonight. Let's see. There's all kinds of news folks, but we will filter through the next 24 hours and, um, talk about it. Car theft skyrocketed in the first half of 2023. I wonder if that was all the Hyundai and Kia, uh, TikTok stuff. Oh yeah, that might have been the trailing end of it. It needs to stop um, because I think they started doing updates, but these older cars still don't have any physical lockout. Um, yeah, got a lot of news, folks. Go and check it out over at hometown.com. That said, we are all done for the night. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI from on high that keeps me in check. You want to say good night? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. True story. See you later. And I'll be streaming uh, Tectonica tomorrow for, well, however long as possible. Um, maybe starting at 10. Uh, I hate to promise, but okay. Keep in touch, everybody. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Did you just wave?